Headliner Radio, the creative voice. Today we're welcoming Jamie Telford of My Glass World onto the podcast, who will release their latest album, Still Life with Machine Gun. So welcome, Jamie. How are you today? Yeah, no, all good. Yeah, up the side of a hill in Scotland. <laughs> up the side of a hill so, in Scotland. And what are you doing on this hill? Well, I've got a barn full of music gear. So quite often, uh, I mean, it's basically I write, I write the music here and record the majority of it, but then transport it down to London to work with Sean, who's uh, Sean Reed, who works with me, and we'll do the finished mixes and any other overdubs that I can't do up here. So I usually get a few people in to do the, yeah, I mean, my guitar playing's a bit ropey, so uh, inevitably we'll get a guitarist in. Like We've just been doing some recording for another album, and we had little Barry in, and little Barry's... I don't know if you know, Little Barry plays with all sorts of people like Primal Scream, uh, he's played with Morrissey, blah, 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 blah. But he's got quite a good, uh, he's got quite a good um, CV, but he's a great guitar player and he kind of suits the style of music that we're doing. So we do things like get Little Barry in to play guitar and if we need to get a bass player in to fill in something that hasn't been played, then we'll do that. But the majority of it's written and recorded up here, so I'll do all my piano and keyboard parts and some of the guitar and you know, as necessary up here, we'll record it and get it into some sort of shape before I bring it back to London. Okay, I see. And do you find it easier to get in the zone creatively being, well, basically in the middle of nowhere in Scotland? Well, I think it is easier if only for the fact that there's the trouble in London is I've got a lot of pals and there's a lot of distraction, as you probably realise. <laughs> so it's much easier just to sort of do up here, sit up here. It was especially in January and February when it's dark, nothing happens. So you can actually get quite a lot of work done then, you know, so it's all good. Oh, you reminded me of those months. Those are the worst, aren't they? Yeah, they're especially bad up here because it rains and it's dark and it's cold. But, you know, I've got quite a warm barn, so I'll just sit in the barn and do the work, really. And, I'll, you know, I'll get the drummer to send, I'll get the drummer, Martin, to do some do some stuff. And I'll usually give him some indication of what I'm looking for as well as a kind of a sort of basic uh, you know, outline of what I need, and he'll and he'll make it. Uh, he'll have a go. He'll go to his drum room and record some stuff and send it up to me. And if we need to re-record it again later, we will. But it gives me a basis for putting the music together. Okay, excellent. Sounds like you've got a good way of working together then. So, what has it been like over the last year or so with the whole pandemic and everything? Has it affected your music? What have you found yourself doing to occupy the time? Ah, yeah, well, up in Scotland here, well, there's, uh, there's plenty of things to do. Apart, uh, there's a, plenty of things to do musically because the alternative is go for yet another beautiful walk. Once you've done that beautiful walk on, on a regular basis, it's, uh, you do get fed up with a beautiful walk. I mean, I'm living somewhere where I was brought up, and I remember my mother on a Sunday saying, let's go for a nice walk. And the reality was after yet another nice walk, you never want to do a nice walk again. <laughs> so anyway, it's promoted me. It's, it's made me work hard. I mean, I wrote a lot of music and I wrote a lot of songs in January and February last year, more than I've ever written in any consecutive period, largely because there was no distraction. Mm, okay, so yes. That. Yeah. that makes sense. I've had quite a few people saying that it's been, all, well, not 
definitely not a blessing in disguise that's a horrible horrible way of saying it but just a way to have it as an excuse to really buckle down with music a lot of people have said and force them to take a slower pace and take some inspiration maybe from long walks who knows i don't know if they're the same as you but i don't know about long walks being much of an inspiration but i think it's definitely a time to focus and it's easier to focus when you've got a lot of space and you're not being interrupted and there's not the alternative of Let's go out for a nice lunch in the local cafe, or uh, let's uh, let's go in and see a pal for a pint, you know. So, or two or three. Uh, or yes, well, that's uh, that's the unspoken. <laughs> it's all we've got. It's all we've got. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I actually think I'm luckier than most because I've you know I've got this facility to do that, whereas a lot of people have been stuck in you know two kids in a in a three bedroom two bedroom flat, you know, and so it's been. I mean, I'm very, very lucky and I'm blessed. So it's it's good. Mm, absolutely. And are you usually doing a lot of performances or touring at all? What's that well, been like? Well, no, I'm not. And I could do with doing some more performances. I'm slightly weary. That's the trouble. I mean, I was speaking to Sean this morning and he's just been, he plays with quite a lot of people, but he's been playing, he was playing sax with a band called the Dark, the, the Dark Stars, no, the, the, the Hanging Stars up at a festival in Norfolk. And he said there was about 6,000 people there. But he's had COVID, so he's kind of less wary about it. So, you know, so he's been doing a bit more. And I, I think I need to organise some gigs to mark this album, but I haven't done much about it so far. And so we'll probably get something for November if I can get my arse in gear. Well, there's still time. And obviously it's still a bit up in the air with when some venues are even starting to play gigs um, in and around the UK, right? So I don't blame you there, but there's yeah. uh, something to look forward to, I suppose, isn't it, for the end of the year? Well, it's always a laugh doing gigs. It's, it, it can be quite, I mean, you know, the trouble is, the trouble is because I've been around the block a few times, it's quite expensive to sort of put the band together. So I've also got that to consider before we even start, you know. So if I, if I'd be, if I was 20 again, it'd be a different kettle of fish because everybody would be in the same boat and it would be all hands to the pump and nobody gets any any money, but... You know, once you once you start using proper players and people that people that actually know what they're doing, you do have to consider the financial aspects a bit as well. Yeah, of course. And um, so, when you were growing up, in between your um, lovely long walks with your mum, what what music yeah, were you yeah. into then? What inspired you? Well, yeah, a long time ago. This is a long time ago. Well, thing for me, right? When I was growing up here, you could be you could be in a local pipe band. You can be in a local pipe band and you can be, uh, and you can, you know, you can do all sorts of things. You can learn to play the bagpipes, you can sort of join the other bands, you can, you know, there's a lot of music. We used to go to school, when I was at school, we used to organise trips to see bands. So I, I remember seeing things like way back, right, I'm talking way back now, things like King Crimson. Remember King Crimson? They're still, still kicking about. So I'd go and see bands like that and prog bands at the time, you know, before the punk thing happened when I was at, you know, so it's very, uh, I think it's it's weird in the country because there's not a lot of other like-minded people. So I was kind of stood out in my own for being somebody that was into this stuff. You know, there's a couple others, but in general, it would be, uh, in general, the, the taste would be fairly limited and fairly conservative, you know. Okay. And when did you start to write songs? Or is it yourself that writes them all and Sean, or do you collaboratively write them? No, I, I write them I write them myself. I mean, Sean sometimes kind of gives us a hand with things that if I get stuck or he adds a part or whatever, but generally it's me. Uh, and I've been writing songs for the last 10 years, but prior to that I was simply a keyboard player who used to do backing vocals. But I've sort of, I did, I did quite a bit of... Uh, 
it's complicated. I've got a complicated history. I trained as a classical composer at some point in the bit. I did a couple of degrees in an MPhil in composition. So I do a bit of scoring as well. So, I mean, it's kind of like after that, I thought, well, if I can do that, I can write the bloody songs. Because there was always that idea that somebody else was going to do it better, but you end up inevitably pushing people up the hill. And really, if you're providing the bulk of the material, which I was, then you might as well do the whole thing. So that that's kind of what took me to the to write the song. So, I mean, I've been at it, oh, yeah, good 10 years now. So I, I think I'm finally getting there even though I'm a bit old for the bloody, even though I'm slightly older, it doesn't matter. I think things have changed a lot. No, of course it doesn't matter. And um, what tends to inspire songwriting and how has that changed over the last, say, 10 years or so since you've been properly doing it? Yeah, well, I, I, I mean, I read a lot. I mean, if you've got a lot of space up here, as I said before, to read, so I do read a lot. And quite often quite often, books and articles will inspire some ideas, you know. There's, like, there's a track in that new album called uh, Half of the Known Universe is Missing, which came from an article in this New Scientist Museum, um, New Scientist magazine, which was basically said, half of the known universe is missing because we couldn't find half the dark matter in the universe. But... You know, you can take phrases like that from material and turn them to your own use. So lyrically, lyrically stuff comes from that. Um, you know, it can come from it can come from a phrase. It can come from an idea about something. It can come from a biography of people. You know, it's like these poem, the poet. You know, like that poet um, Ocean Vuong that I got the idea for the title for the album from. So, mm. you know, it's not like a copy, but the things things definitely inspire you to write or make things in a certain way and quite often it's literary and quite often it's you know they can come from quite different sources but and they don't need to be much more than a phrase quite often to spring an idea into into life that you can make into a lyric that will work with something that you're doing yeah i've had so, a few people it, say that to me that write songs actually they one of them said he was watching um oh what's one of those daytime tv programs it's a bit naff i think uh, now um a murder sort of program oh I've forgotten what it's yeah. called anyway he said he got inspired by that and he was this cool rapper sort of guy so you never know and um I've seen as well you've got a song uh the Don Draper song so is that uh oh, yeah. you're a big Mad well, Men fan or was that is that something yeah, completely I different big Mad Men fan. I really, did you enjoy Mad Men I did I've seen it all I thought it was excellent yeah if you've seen it all it's excellent it is excellent and I, yeah no I remember watching Don Draper at the, at the time so the lyric came out of the idea that he was having a conversation with Betty Betsy his first wife um, you know, but it also, I mean, the main thing is that for me is to try and get out a lyric that's universal. So it's got some connection to, it's got some connection to something, but it's not usually as specific as that. But in that case, it was. So I was trying to fictional, you know, make a fictional conversation that Betsy and Don would have, you know, mm. with, Don, with Don, no being, you know, Don actually didn't know himself very well. You know, that was Don's fundamental problem. He didn't know who, know who the hell he was, you know. No, he didn't. So, he used to annoy me a lot because he used to screw everything up all the time, just consistently and, annoyed and me. Screw, and, screw, and screw everything at the same time. Yeah, his poor wife. What was it, Betty or Betsy? Betsy, Betsy. Uh, well, I think it was Betsy. Oh, yeah. Betsy. Oh, he treated her terribly. Awful done. Awful man. Um, yeah, yeah. he's he an amazing character, though. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I love it. I'd probably watch it again, actually, from the beginning. Yeah, I think I'd watch it again because I did really enjoy it. I mean, I used to really It's one of the best things that have ever been on TV, I think. Mm. You know, and yeah, Elizabeth called, Olsen as well, pre-Handmaid's Tale. Oh, yeah, I've been watching. I watched that, although it's although it's getting a bit tortured. I've watched it right to the end of the last series here. It's, it's a bit torturous, though, isn't it? 
it is relentlessly grim, um, but it's this good TV. I've just called her Elizabeth Olsen. That's not her name, is it? It's, um, no, I, it's, I think it's, uh, you got the Olsen right. Um, no, it's, it's Elizabeth, gone. Elizabeth, it's Elizabeth, oh God, Moss? No, I'm on something else. Oh, I think it is, actually. I think you're right anyway. Yes, so I need yeah, to get more. Like that. No, that's, yeah, you've got... That's the that's the same area that I watch. I watch stuff like that. So, um, you know, things like that will inspire lyrics as much as anything else musically. But, I mean, what I was watching lately was the Bureau. Of the it's French with subtitles. If you watch that, that's pretty good. You, if you enjoy those two things, you'll enjoy this. Okay, I'll have to check it out then. And then, what about the song? I mean, is it literally as it says it is? I'm not in love with America. I mean, did you literally decide? Yeah, you know, I, I hate yeah. America. Did you like it once and now you hate it, or was it always? Happening? No, I think I'm. I think I'm ambivalent about. America. I've been to New York a lot. My brother-in-law lives in New York. He used to have a band called the Propellerheads. Remember them? I don't know. Uh, you know, it's maybe a bit, it's the nineties. He's, uh, but he lives in New York, so we see him quite a bit. So I've been to New York, but they're. I mean, they're kind of. I mean, the problem with America for me is it's relentlessly materialist, and there's sort of uh, there's no kind of public. There's no concept of public space or public shared shared public anything. I mean, you know, socialism's a dirty word. La la la. So I kind of love it because of the energy, but oh, sometimes it just I just really despise the the, the thinking, you know, the philosophy. Oh yeah. So, and plus Trump, plus Trump, of course, you know. Oh yeah. Well, that goes without saying. Yeah, and I think that's you know you don't have to be you don't have to be a genius to dislike what Trump represents, you know. So. <laughs> Exactly. Um, and what about, um, so you've mentioned you, yourself and Sean, obviously. Um, yeah. So how did you meet and when did you decide to form the band? Well, I've been, the band is, the band has essentially been me for this whole time, right? But latterly, in the last couple of albums, I started working with Sean because I, I knew about Sean through other people that knew him in my locale in London. I didn't know, I mean, I was, I was kind of working on my own, but I was actually finding that I needed to find somebody that was a bit more sympathetic to where I was at this point in time. And Sean's kind of, you know, he was a bit older like me. And so it's, he's been around the block a bit. And it's actually good to work with people like that because if you work with somebody younger, they haven't got the necessarily, they haven't got the history and the shared, the shared musical uh, encyclopedia in their head about mm -hmm. what's what. So mm -hmm. to, actually, to actually work with somebody that, you know, has heard the same things as you and is interested in the same things as you makes it a hell of a lot easier when you're communicating. Yeah, something to bounce off. To. I mean, I, I, to be honest, working in a working in a void on your own, although at the end of the day, you might say it's a lot easier. It's a lot harder. But even the, you know, if you look at the big solo artists today, I mean, the the fact of the matter is really, the, you know, they're not getting they're not giving enough credit to the the people behind them who are, who are helping them and making the stuff work. You know, especially the likes, you know. Well, what am I thinking of? Taylor Swift and 20 people writing an, an album for her, you know. I don't know. But I, I just mean, largely I can write the songs okay, but putting them into a context is the question. You know? Exactly. And and you, so you mentioned obviously other, you uh, wrote and recorded the new album remotely during lockdown and it was mixed at Sean's studio. So the famous Times Studio yeah. in Clapham, like you said. So I think you touched on the name right. earlier that the album's called Still Life with Machine Gun. What was the um, inspiration behind that name again? What what did you say about that? Yeah, well, I had, yeah, I was trying, again, again, this is where America gets my goat. You know, the gun thing in America is just ridiculous. Oh, I've God. seen it firsthand just mad. So I had that song, you know, uh, Still Life of Machine Gun, which is basically, you know, about guns. 
So I, I was listening. I was I was listening. I was listening. Actually, funnily enough, inspiration. The idea for the the lyric came from the, the the title for the lyric came from Ocean Beyond and and how he how he structures his sentences and how he sticks stuff together. And it's quite a. I thought that was quite a witty a kind of witty response to guns. You know, still life with machine gun, but you know, presenting them presenting them as something beautiful, but actually bloody deadly. You know, so. That's kind of where that came from. But he's he's quite an interesting poet. He's an interesting writer. You know, um, musically, yeah. That, I mean, that's the kind of that's an example of a lyric where you you get an idea and, and hammer it to death. So you, it's almost like a a list song. You know, it's not quite a list song. You know, the way people write lists. You too do list songs quite often. You know, where they'll say, "I don't, I don't like this. I don't like that. Mm. I don't like tomorrow." I don't like yesterday. It's not quite that, but it's kind of you know, guns are good for death. Guns are good for this. Guns are good for that. You know, trying to be a bit ironic. Okay, I see. I see. And what about the concept? Was there any kind of concept for the album, or some main type of inspiration behind it? Did the lockdown affect the kind of music you were writing? I think you find that that comes in between the cracks. So if you, I mean, you write songs, you just. Sometimes they come out of nowhere. Sometimes they they have no relation to the others, in which case they might not get used. But you write a bunch of material and you record it in a specific way and you hope that it sticks together. It doesn't always stick together, but quite often it does. I mean, there's you know there's a couple of songs on that record from way before, and there's a you know and there's most of the, but most of it was written last year. Okay. So you know, yeah, it's it, it really does depend. It really does depend. But I think. I try. If you write things in a short bus, they do tend to have coherence and, um, uh, you know, at least musical musical continuity. That's what I'd say. Mm, okay, and I've seen in your notes as well. You were trying to write fresher, more up tempo material this time. Is that? Yeah. Um, did you not usually write up tempo types of well, music? I think, the problem with being, I think the problem with being a pianist is that you there's a tendency to. Uh, the piano, there's a tendency to write the piano ballad, right? You can, mm, and it tends melancholy. to be a slower tempo. Yeah, there, there's just that tendency with the piano, and I kind of couldn't have put the, for the life of me put the finger on what it was, but there is a tendency to play the piano in a specific way that begets a certain type of song. I mean, if you look at Elton, for example, who I've got no relation to it apart from having an odd suit of his, is the fact that um, it's he he does predominantly write a ballad. He has fast songs, obviously, and he does do them pretty well, but he's predominantly written ballads, and that's because of the piano. So I was trying to get away from being so completely piano-based. Okay, I see. Yeah, that makes sense. And what what's this? You have Elton John's old that, suit, did you say? Yeah, yeah, I've got a look. Yeah, this is a laugh, isn't it? Right, so I went along to this. We used to, we used to go, me and Jane used to go along to this designer warehouse sales designer warehouse sales run by this guy Roger and I can't remember his name but we used to call him Roger Crackling Duck and Roger, <laughs> Roger Crackling Duck was a mate of Elton's and one day I turned up there and usually I can't I've got you know I'm 5'7 I'm not huge but uh, I've got I usually find it quite hard to get uh, suits that I've got trousers my length and etc that look good and of course this day I turn up and the suits fit and I'm going, God, this is great, Jane. Look at these. They're all fit and they're only 100 quid each. And it was Elton's old collection from the early 2000s. So anyway, I've got a load of suits from Elton. Some of them are great and some of them are, you know, but they all fit. They've got the arm lengths right. The legs are right. 
So and it was a, it was when Elton was a lot thinner as well. May I add, <laughs> he's not. Okay, okay, he's thanks, always, Elton. I think he was a bit of a shopaholic because I think half of them had never been worn. You know, so you'd buy thirty suits at the same time, kind of thing. Yeah, well, that's what I've been led to believe. Definitely one for excess, wasn't he? Uh, spending some insane yeah. amount on flowers at one point. I don't know. Maybe still is. That's right. I read that. As, I read that as well. Yeah, he's definitely. I mean, you know, their suits. These suits were ridiculous. They'd never been worn. They were. They were Savile Row suits. <clears throat> so some of them are just amazing, though. I mean, I've got this. I've got this red Yuji Yamamoto one, which is just fantastic. Oh, it sounds and, fabulous, uh, Jamie. Yeah, no, it's great. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, if, so he can't really wear it around the house, and he certainly can't wear it around here. They'll just think, "What the hell?" Oh, maybe in certain parts of London, though. Next time you go down, oh no, you can wear it for gigs, and you can wear it around London for the crack. If I go to art openings where my wife is a painter, then you can wear them. But in in, ter- <laughs> in terms of wearing them around here, everybody is going, "Who's you know?" You just it just looks crazy. Yeah. On your long walks in your jazzy suits. Yeah, long walks, jazzy suits. Are, yeah, it doesn't quite line up, does it? <laughs> no. So we're on the onto the new record. So is um, "Step Right Up" taken from the new album? Yes, it is. I, okay, I, okay. I mean, Thought yeah. so. What inspired that one then? Step right up. Wow, that's weird, isn't it? I, I had the phrase "step right up," step right up to the mark. I can't remember where the hell that came from, and it wasn't Tom Waits who I see has got a song called that as well, but. It came. From, I can't remember where it came from originally. The lyric, but I had this kind of, I had this riff. Anyway, so I thought, oh yeah, we can do that. So I was bashing something out in the piano in a very kind of simple blues style. So anyway, that that's how it evolved. And I was trying to make quite a witty, but fairly surface lyrically, fairly uh, n- not deep, but quite witty. Sort of lyric, you know, so it sort of bounced along with a step right up, bar up, step right up, bar up. You know, that was the kind of that was the kind of the genesis of it, really. So, you know, the basis of it. There was not not a lot to it, but then you can write some quite wacky lyrics in the verse. You know, so you know, step right up to the mark. Who do you think you are, Philip Stark? Kind of thing. You know, you can make everything rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> And do you have um, a particular favourite song on the new album that's, uh, I don't know, means something special to you or for some reason is your oh, particular favourite one? Well, weirdly, weirdly um, what's the songs that I like in the album? Sorry, my brains are... Off the... the trouble is, of course, this album's just coming out now and, of course, I'm sort of bored with it because it's, uh, it's been on the go for quite a while yeah. in my head, you know what I mean? That's the trouble with these things. They've got a long gestation period before they actually see the light of day, you know? Mm. Um, right, I did. A, I think we did a very good version of "Ashes to Ashes" by Bowie, and I think I, I really, I really thought we did a good cover of that. But I've got another song on the record called "When Everything Closes," which I think lyrically is pretty good. I like it. I thought I made a good job of that. What about um, plans for the rest of the year in terms of, I guess, promoting this album? Have you got anything lined up or anything you think you might well, like oh, to? Yes, no, we haven't, haven't got. No, at the at the minute I'm finishing off the next album, believe it or not, because I wrote so much last year. So we're just we're just doing some more mixing and that. And when I see Sean in a few weeks to finish it off, we'll try and have a plan to do some gigs. I think uh, probably probably November December. I mean, I know it's a bit later than the album, but I, I'm just I'd rather I'd rather wait and try and avoid COVID at the minute. 
Yeah, well, yeah, to be sensible, absolutely. Um, okay, well, it sounds like you've sort of got it all figured out. Thank you very much then for joining today, Jamie. I don't know if um, you've got a, somewhere to be or maybe another walk to go on or just, uh, you know, enjoy the well, peace and quiet. Into, no, I'll probably go into some music today, so the peace and quiet. You can get too much peace and quiet. Okay. Okay, nice, nice to speak to you. Nice to speak to you too. Thanks so much for your time today, Jamie. That's okay, no problem. All right. See you soon. Bye. Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.